0: This is Betsy Jensen, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, Episode 99, The Biology of Trauma with Dr. Amy Appigan. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become Unstoppable Body and Mind. All right. Hello, my loves. I have a special guest, Dr. Amy Appigan on the podcast today. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, Betsy. It's so good to
1: see you. Like I have, I have missed you. And as soon as I saw you, it was just like, I went back to Sedona, Arizona. And I I was like, oh, I remember that felt experience with you in the moment. And it was Mm -hmm. wonderful. And it's just so good to be here with you today.
0: Thank you for Mm. this. I'm glad you brought that up because even, you know, the little bit of nerves that I had, when you said Sedona, Arizona, it was like my body just calmed. Amy and I went to a really neat experiential retreat a week long with Peter Levine. And it was really transformative. We really got to know each other. And it was like, we just formed this little family so quickly. And so it was really exciting to me when um, I heard about, you know, Amy wanting to be on my podcast and collaborating a little more because we really overlap so much in our areas. We're both helping people heal from trauma and the effects that it leaves on our bodies. So let me just also say this, that I remember Um, that you, um, you got to
1: do an exercise with Peter on, I believe it was the generational trauma piece for you. Yes, oh my gosh. and I yeah. and I just remember watching that and yeah. feeling like I was holding that container for you, and just oh my goodness, like the the yeah. the powerful transformation that I saw that I was able to witness for oh. you, and and I know how meaningful that
0: that piece spe- uh, specifically was for you. Yeah, it really was. I don't even know if it was half an hour or forty-five minutes or an hour. <laughs> it felt like, you know, just this expansive time that I was like, is this really happening? You know, everyone was, you know in this story with me, healing this intergenerational, these stories, this trauma. And, you know, I did feel a little bit like, oh, I'm taking up everyone's time. But as we know, when people are able to watch that and hold that space and they can even experience some of that healing themselves by watching someone else, sometimes even more powerfully because it's indirect and they're not getting Mm -hmm. as triggered or defensive. So, so thank you for, for sure. Well, that's, that's the value of community, right? Yes. And just being
1: in a community and actually being able to hold the space for someone else yes. is a part of our healing journey. It's not just about us. It it's, really is true. It really does get to be
0: about us, right? Yes. Like the,
1: the collective us.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize, you know, we just kind of all sat on the floor together. I was petting your dog, but I didn't realize what an influential person you are and how, what a community you have created. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's yeah. quite it's it's quite
1: amazing and I kind of still pinch myself every once in a while like like is is this the impact that I've been able to have on the world because I never saw that. I didn't go into this like wanting this big impact. It was just like, "Hey, like I've been through hell. Yeah. Let me show you the way out." Yes. <laughs> and if it's helpful to you, awesome. If it's not, that's fine. Like yes. I'm, you know, I'm still on my journey. We each have our own journey and I'm totally willing to share what my journey has been and yes. the different pieces that have that I've needed to bring in for my life, for Miguel, who I adopted. And and yeah, people mm-hmm. have really found a lot of value. And so they've been able to come in and yeah, we've got this community, even of providers and practitioners around the world, Betsy. Wow. And it's, it is, it's just so inspiring yes. to see the, Now the impact that I get to have on people that I never even meet directly, right? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. So meaningful. So meaningful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, maybe if you could just take a minute and tell us how you got into this work because you weren't planning on studying trauma or specializing in it, right? maybe the other trauma because I was actually a general surgery resident. Okay. Right. So like yeah. I was actually <laughs> physical trauma, like physical trauma, accidents. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And as a general yeah. surgery resident, like we were the ones running the trauma codes yeah. in the emergency room. Yes. And very much like in the moment. Yeah. How do we help this person survive? Because they, right? Like they're losing a lot of blood or yeah. whatever the situation may be. And so for I've I've brought that into now the work that I do with this type of trauma. And it's very much like a let's get really practical and let's get really efficient. And so um, surgery is all about efficiency. It's all about efficiency, right? Like we're not gonna have you on the table doing surgery any longer than what we need to, because one it's not necessary. The other it's, it's harmful. The longer that someone is un, under anesthesia, the more it's harmful to their body. And so the same thing that we can look at with this trauma, right? Like the longer that we are living under the effects of the anesthesia from trauma experiences, the longer it actually harms our bodies. And so let's get to work and let's figure Mm -hmm. out like what what is the most efficient way? We're not gonna cut corners.
0: Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. we need
1: healing down to the cellular level. And that's where I've kind of been able to come in with the biology of trauma is like, so much of this is biology on a cellular level. And we need to address that piece in order for the rest of it to just fall into place and for us to get back to a, a sense of wholeness. So yeah, I actually got into this um, as a, I mean, I, I, as we look back at our life, like we, we can start to realize, oh, well, there's all these things that really went into it. But my, mm-hmm. my big reason why was that when I was in medical school, I had just finished getting my master's in biochemistry. And I was getting ready to go back into third year of medical school. And I, I wanted my, my life, my time to be meaningful. And so I decided to become a foster parent during that time and had no, no intentions no idea of what it would turn into and when they placed miguel with me he was four years old at the time Mm -hmm. and had a what i would consider a very typical story for many children who get placed in the foster care system he had had a very very rough traumatic disruptive early childhood and i thought betsy (laughs) i thought that time would heal yeah as long as he had a loving stable home and i loved him more than more than i knew that i could love yeah. someone and and so uh, those were the assumptions but not only assumptions right like we're told that we are still told that you know love heals yeah. and time heals and yeah. it's it's not true right like trauma yeah. gets into our body And our body is still operating under that survival system, even though our external environment has changed. And so it's how do we let our body actually know that we're no longer needing to survive? Like we can actually relax and let our guard down because everything up until then has informed it that it can't do that. And it's done a number of adaptations. And now those adaptations have become our default. And we assume that our default is just our personality. Like, Betsy, this is just who I am. Love me.
0: yeah. And it's like, no, I love you. And I see a
1: greater capacity in you.
0: Yeah. Well, can I just ask about that? When you say things like trauma gets into our body, like I've been so fascinated by this because I came from a physical therapy background, medical background. And so I'm always you know, careful about saying like, oh, your hips hold a lot of emotions and trauma. Cause I don't know that that's, you know, we can really prove that, but can we, how do you explain that to people? Yeah. And there's
1: a couple different ways that we can look at how the body actually stores trauma. And Mm -hmm. when you, when you talk about as a physical therapist, you know, some of these locations in the body, the first thing that comes to mind is some of the bracing patterns that develop as part of those adaptations to overwhelm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's
1: so fascinating because we can look even at specific stages of neurodevelopment in early childhood. And there are specific bracing patterns that one will develop based on when we first started to experience overwhelm. Wow. I are know. we talking
0: like infancy, or can you give a, a couple of examples yes. of those? Yeah.
1: So the yeah. way that we've been able to really uh, break things down also it correlates with the levels of development of the brain. And by the brain, I do also mean the brain stem. And so we know that when infants are born, they actually don't have the capacity, that level of their brain has not developed to even be able to regulate their own nervous system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in that first six months of life, so zero to six months of life, that is when the pons area of the brain stem is developing. And by developing, I mean like the physical structure is there, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've got a brainstem. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's all of all of these nerves that are going into the brain, into the brainstem, and then out of that brain stem to the higher areas of the brain, are those pathways organized? Right. Are they efficient? Yeah. Are they communicating what they're supposed to be communicating and not communicating what they're not supposed to be communicating? And all of that process requires so much pruning. Mm-hmm. And um, talking about flexibility and neuroplasticity. That's like the, the major time of neuroplasticity in our life is when things are actually developing. And so this is how, no matter what our life experiences are, whether we're having experiences of overwhelm yeah. because we're not getting adequate co-regulation, mm-hmm. for example, or if we're getting all the co-regulation that we need, either way, whatever it is, like our nervous system is literally adapting for its best survival at that time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And this is the power of the nervous system, right? Like it's superpower is to be adaptable, is to be flexible. And so when an infant, and there's a number of reasons, uh, some biochemical imbalances can cause this um, increased dysregulation of the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so they require a larger degree of co-regulation Mm -hmm. from someone else, biological mom being the primary one that's going to provide that co-regulation. And so they need more of it, for example. And if she's busy, if she's Mm got to go back to work, if she's stressed, if she's uh, sick, like there's so many things that can come in between her ability to provide the level of co-regulation that her infant needs. The end result is still the same, Betsy, where Mm the infant is going to be experiencing overwhelm. And that overwhelm comes in the form of, I feel my body amping up into that sympathetic state and they don't have the capacity to bring that down. Like Mm -hmm. we do, right? Like Mm -hmm. we we have that capacity, but they don't. And so literally a baby would go on to have a heart attack because the sympathetic state would just be this runaway train. Hmm. And so the only, the only, save that they have is the dorsal vagal response. Mm -hmm. And it serves as a break. And so it can be the only thing and it's the only tool that they have. They don't have other tools. They don't have the kitchen or the pantry that they can go emotionally, Eat,
0: right?
1: Yeah, like, yeah, right. They, they don't have any yeah. of the coping mechanisms that we as adults have access to. Sure. They only have that one coping mechanism. Uh, and so, yeah. for that zero to six months of life, if they don't get that adequate co regulation, then they're starting to use that dorsal vagal break mm-hmm. to save them from completely falling apart physiologically, biologically, mm-hmm. in their homeostasis. And so, when that happens, that dorsal vagal response starts to cause bracing patterns. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. And those bracing
1: patterns happen in their hips,
0: Okay, happens
1: in their thoracic inlet. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of those is to cut off the overwhelming sensations coming up from the body. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so the way that the nerves run, right? Like that vagus nerve, especially like runs up and Mm -hmm. it comes in here through our neck And that's what's feeding information to the brainstem, to that pons area. And if the body is experiencing overwhelm, then those shoulders come up Mm -hmm. and we get tension here in order to cut off the sensations coming up the vagus nerve. So it's literally a way for us to manage overwhelm when we don't have any other coping mechanisms to manage that. But then you have somebody who has these lifelong tension patterns, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. We Even talk about the psoas muscles, right? And boy, my goodness, trauma is stored in those psoas muscles. Why do we say that? Because those are the flexor muscles that start to brace Mm -hmm. in order to get through overwhelm when we have no other way to cope.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I remember even Peter Levine in one of his workshop showing a picture of a dog that was in a shame pattern. So these patterns of emotion and patterns of bracing and, and um, they're, they're universal, they're primal, they're visceral, they're somatic. And so it's not like we're thinking, oh, I've got to turn my eyes down and look away. But when you're in that emotion of shame, you naturally, and, and bringing your shoulders up is one of the emotions of shame or postures of shame too. So Mm -hmm. that, that makes a lot of sense and as someone who carries a lot of tension in my neck that you know i've just thought oh that's just a place where i carry my stress you hear it so commonly but it probably has its origin clear back in childhood infancy feeling overwhelmed
1: and this is where so many people actually experienced trauma in childhood and they don't recognize it as trauma because it wasn't abuse it wasn't neglect like it was just inadequate co-regulation before they even really had conscious awareness or even words to express that overwhelm and so it can really just be this this felt sense Mm -hmm. of of disconnect and we can even look at the thoughts and belief patterns that come out of that zero to six months of life for those people betsy their belief system coming out of that is that if I were to let myself feel, Mm -hmm. I would fall apart. Wow. And so for people who have mm-hmm. who just noticed like, oof, like that's actually, like, yeah. I know that sounds silly because I actually know that I wouldn't fall apart, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. And they will, you can see them like going through life and people will even reach out to comfort them and they won't be able to accept the comfort. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to have that moment of dropping down, actually feeling their emotion. Cause they have this felt sense that if I do that, like, there's going to be possibly so much that's going to come out, I would fall apart.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: just can't let myself go there. And they're always in these bracing patterns then internally, even all the way down the back. So we have these erector spinae mm-hmm. muscles that are uh, in between our different vertebrae in our spine. Mm-hmm. Those develop bracing patterns.
0: Yeah. So, so just can... one level, can you see, I mean, as a physical yes. therapist, you know, you just see exactly just on the side. So it, that- in one spot can be a bracing pattern.
1: Right. Yeah. And and
0: we want to look at these bracing patterns as, you know, at one point in time in your
1: life, this helped you survive. Yeah. Yes. And
0: exactly.
1: It's no longer serving you. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Because it, it did serve a purpose. It's not it's like your body's a very important purpose. Or it's mm-hmm. it should have known better. And right. You have to fight it. <laughs> it
1: served a purpose. And we don't want to stay stuck there, Betsy.
0: Yes. Right.
1: And that's where I see a lot of people still going wrong with their trauma work is that they, um, they want to just understand why they are how they are, but then stay there. Right. And it's almost like, then we start to use that as an excuse for why I can't do more in life or why everyone needs to just accommodate my triggers and not do that and, and and not use it as, Hey, like, this is actually something that I can change now. This doesn't have to be my future. This is actually not me and my Mm -hmm. personality. Like I can, I can change these things.
0: Yeah. That is so hopeful and exciting. The part that I really like Um, real quick though, before we talk about that part of it, could you just tell me a few of the most common manifestations physically that you see, like, how does this usually show up in people's bodies later? Like everything, all the (laughs) things, how doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a
1: lot because the nervous system drives our whole health. Yeah. And when we look at just bracing patterns, we can see how those are going to affect our health chronically and in the long-term.
0: Yeah. A lot of
1: people develop some form of digestive symptoms. That's what and, brought me to the work, <laughs> right? Yeah. This is so common because ah. the the influence of the vagus nerve on the gut is, is huge. And so if we're going back and forth into that dorsal vagal break mm-hmm. and then out into the sympathetic and going back and forth between stressed and overwhelmed, that right there is going to cause digestive issues. And it can cause a number of them, everything from decreased motility of the stomach. So your stomach is not actually even able to break food down as well. Mm -hmm. You're making less acid because when you're in overwhelm or stress, like that's not the time to be eating. Mm -hmm. And, and then, I mean, everything from the liver, the gallbladder, the pancreas, all of these systems that are designed to help us absorb the nutrients that we need for life get shut down. And so we can, we can move towards diarrhea, we can move towards constipation, we can have IBS and have both, we can have pain, we can have bloating. And then there's all of the downstream effects on the actual, um, kind of like the, the, the digestive tract in that tube, where because of these effects, now we have bacterial overgrowth. Now we have fungal overgrowth. Now we have this imbalanced microbiome and now we have food sensitivities. Now we have leaky gut and there's just no end to it. And the part of the difficulty is that when these things happen, Mm -hmm. it then affects the rest of the system as well. So it's not like it just stays in the gut because now the inflammation is gonna be traveling up the vagus nerve to the brain Mm -hmm. and causing brain inflammation. So uh, Mm -hmm. for those people who maybe know a little bit about this, hopefully they do, if not, then here's your introduction to brain inflammation. But we have these cells called microglia Mm -hmm. in our nervous system, that they are the guardians. They are the protectors. Uh, they're gardeners, they're pruning, they're cleaning up, they're essential for a healthy nervous system. And they can undergo something that's called priming. A priming event will make them turn from being a protector and a guardian to like this savage soldier who's unleashing inflammation on everything because they see danger everywhere. Mm -hmm. and leaky gut and that inflammation in the gut can actually be a cause of a priming event for those microglia. And now you are prone, much more prone to brain fog and the decision fatigue and all of these things that can come with brain inflammation. Mm -hmm. And it can be triggered by a lack of sleep. It can be triggered by, um, even exposure to different chemicals or smells All of these things now are triggering this stuff that wouldn't have been triggered before, but Mm -hmm. you've had this priming event possibly from leaky gut or other things. And and now you've got this on top of everything else. And for those people who are, you know, undergoing some therapy process, hopefully they're doing that, right, Betsy? Hopefully they're doing somatic work and all this stuff. What can happen is that if they go too fast in their therapy process, if they're not titrating it and, Mm -hmm. and staying in their window of tolerance, that will re-trigger and we call that activate these primed microglia. And so those activation can be emotional now. It's not just something physical, like there can be emotional triggers that activate brain inflammation now. So Mm -hmm. it all becomes part of the same thing when we're looking at the nervous system and how do we promote health and flexibility and regulation? Well, now we've got to look at all of these
0: pieces because they all come together
1: to affect that nervous system.
0: Yes. Okay. So that probably leads us into how do you help it? You know, if someone is suspicious that they, they never really thought of themselves as having trauma or they know that they did, and that's kind of how they identify, they get to this place, their body's freaking out and showing it. What do you advise? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, actually what I do, and I'll just share with you what I do, even though I'm a
1: medical physician, I have found that I always need to start with somatic work.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, yes, okay. I didn't arrange for you to say that, so I like it.
1: I have found that when people are first coming in, their nervous system is so dysregulated, Betsy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that it's so hard for me to even see where to start with the biology, because everything is a mess. It's like walking into a room that is just chaotic and it's like, you know what? We just need to clear a path through Mm -hmm. the room so that then we can start to look to see how do we even go about organizing this? And that's how I see the somatic piece. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I've done is I've created and designed a 21 day journey Mm. into the nervous system through somatic practices Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. allows that path through the chaotic room to even know, all right, where do we need to start with the biology? Mm-hmm. And then moving forward, it's not like we only do biology. No, like we are always combining somatic work. Yeah. I do an advanced somatic work, bringing in parts work or that internal family systems, mm-hmm. bringing in the thoughts and the belief systems. Yeah. And I'm doing the biology. And I have found that by using those three things, they <sighs> feed off of each other. Because when I do more of the somatic work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I increase their ability to do the biology work. Mm-hmm. And when I do the biology work, I actually am increasing their capacity for the somatic work.
0: Sure. And yeah.
1: so it's it's like we do one step on the somatic work and then we do one step on the biology. One more mm-hmm. step with the somatic work. Oh, now we know that we've got this biology piece that's actually interfering and decreasing mm-hmm. our increased capacity to tap into more with the somatic work. So again, when, when you look at it through the lens of the nervous system and trauma, and you can see that that's all affecting the nervous system. So we can't just take one piece and be like, Oh, it's only biology. And you need to either go get on a mood medication, or we need to only do testing. No, or it's genetic and you'll just have this, or it's never going to change. And and I'm going to tell you, it's rarely genetic. I'll just, I'll just throw this out there for your audience. It is rarely genetic because epigenetics. Yes. Plays a much larger role in trauma than genetics.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And epigenetics. Epigenetics, epigenetics plays
1: a much larger role in trauma yeah. than genetics. Okay. So um, that's that. a little teaser. That's a little teaser for your audience. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I think we me, need to
0: remember that because sometimes we're just like, oh, this happened to me and now yes, it's like, yes. this doesn't. Or it's runs not, in my I, family hypnosis. and therefore it's genetic. Yes. Oh, yes, exactly. No, it's yeah. not. No, it's yeah. Not. Are there any, um, health areas that you say like, oh no, I don't think this would help with say like cancer or, you know, does it, does it reach into every area of health that you've seen for me? Yes. Because again, going back to this
1: idea that the nervous system is what drives our health. Mm -hmm. And so I don't care what you're diagnosed with. Yeah when you help regulate your nervous system, Mm -hmm. you will be in your best health for your specific circumstance.
0: Yeah. I love that because, um, just a little background on the pain science side of things. A lot of times they're saying, you know, this is for chronic pain, but not necessarily autoimmune disorders, or, you know, if it's cancer or infection, things like that, or fracture, you know, I'm not going to mess with someone's fracture and think we're just going to, heal it with the mind. And, you know, we want some treatment for some of those things. But as they're doing the treatment, I think it's so helpful to have that context of it's possible. I know for me, the first book I read that said ulcerative colitis could be healed by this, this mind body pathway, you know, I was like, sweet. And I didn't know that it wasn't supposed to be something that you treated this way until after I'd already healed, fortunately. But You know, the autoimmune issue is a little gray area from people who may listen to my podcast, but yeah, this is good. This is (laughs) autoimmunity
1: is totally driven by the nervous system. Yeah. I don't know
0: why, why do medical professionals have a hard time understanding and really telling that to people?
1: Because they don't know the science yet. Like, and the science is there, right? When you look at,
0: at the studies
1: for the adverse childhood experiences, for example, and you see the association between autoimmune conditions and early childhood, like the science is there, Betsy. I think that where we've possibly not been able to go that next step is that we haven't as medical professionals, right? So now I'm, I'm kind of talking, talking to my group of people where we've dropped the ball is that we haven't, we haven't known what to do with that right? And it's like, okay, so if autoimmunity is associated with early childhood trauma and stress as a medical professional, what do I do with that? I don't know, which means that I'm not even going to acknowledge it. (laughs) So for me, that's where I'm like, well, let me find out what to do about it. Cause that actually was part of my story was that when I experienced my health crash, my autoimmune markers were very high and they were just waiting for more symptoms to diagnose me with an autoimmune condition. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, this is not going to be the rest of my life. And I'm going to figure out how, what do I need to do to get off this path? And so much of it, not all of it, right? And that's where we just talk about that it's the combination of mm-hmm. what do I need to do to regulate my nervous system? Yeah. And it's always going to be this combination of things somatic yeah. work. And there's so many different modalities that come under that term, somatic work. Yeah, they're really somatic are. work and the biology work, because both of those are feeding into the nervous system. It's just amazing to see the results that we can get in people's energy level and helping them have more capacity in their somatic work. Uh, They've just like their stress capacity goes up. And now the, the things that used to stress them out and put them in overwhelm, they're able to stay present for and actually work through and not have it turn into chronic stress. It's just amazing when we can clear out some of these things that are, constantly driving dysregulation Mm -hmm. and just get them out of the way. And let's, then let's look at like, all right, what's going on, what's our baseline and what are some of the other biology things that we can address that will support the nervous system and healthy neuroplasticity with the therapy that they're doing. Amazing.
0: Very cool. Are there any other things that Came to mind that you haven't shared already that you'd like to share with the audience. There
1: are a ton of things, right? Like I feel like we (laughs) we are just we are just skimming the surface. Yeah. This is and I would say that for for those who want to know like more of all of the different aspects of this biology of trauma and accelerating the healing journey, that's why I put together my programs and I actually have a biology of trauma summit where I've got over 40 experts that are coming to talk about all of these different pieces that I incorporate into this model that they can start to look at, hey, what are maybe some pieces that I haven't known to bring in yet Mm -hmm. that maybe if I bring that in, it will really move the dial and allow me to move faster in these other areas that I'm already incorporating. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I encourage people to come come register for that summit if they'd like to, to know more
0: of all of these different aspects of the biology of trauma. Yeah, and there's some big names there. (laughs) Congratulations. Gabor Mate and Stephen Porges and Peter Levine. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's a great, again, it's a great bridging of the two worlds of functional medicine and trauma therapy. So we're we're talking about all of that. Both both on the trauma therapy side of things, the somatic work, all of that. The 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 dorsal vagal response and the actual physiology and biology that's affecting people's uh, healing journey.
0: Well, I love seeing all of that work come together because I think the more we incorporate the nervous system and understanding it into our medical practices and how we treat people. Oh my gosh. It's exciting to think of the possibilities. Yes. So keep getting it the is. word out and I'm happy to help spread that word too. Ah, thank you, Betsy my pleasure having you here and, and maybe we'll be able to have you here again, but, um, if anyone's interested, we'll have a link in the show notes about the biology of trauma summit. It's coming up in August and it's going to be virtual, right? Is it virtual? Yes. All virtual, all online and free and free. Okay. Very cool. Lots of cool information and, and very exciting to talk to you today about it. Thanks Amy. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.